Welcome everyone. Thank you for thank you for being here. Thank you for being here. And we are live streaming, so we hope we're, we're glad you folks are enjoying from there and those who are on the recording end as well. We are thrilled about this program. We're about to start here, and we are going to learn with Rabbi Marian Novak, who received her smicha, her rabbinic ordination from Yeshivat Maharat in 2019. She served her rabbinic internships at the Hebrew Institute of Riverdale and congregation Nativot Shalom in Teaneck, New Jersey. Rabbi Novak has been on the faculty of the Melton School of Adult Jewish Learning for over 25 years and has served as, as Gabait and Bat Mitzvah tutor for the Skokie Women's Tefillah Group. She served as scholar in residence and lecturer at various congregations. She received her BA cum laude from Barnard College in political science and as a JD from the School of Law of Washington University in St. Louis. I didn't know that. Last yeah. fall, Rabbi Novak joined the Judaic, uh, Judaic Studies staff at Akiba Schechter day, Jewish Day School. Additionally, she's an educator with the Jewish Learning Collab and has recently joined the Hadassah Foundation Board. She writes a popular blog for the Times of Israel and is a rabbinic advisor for A Mitzvah to Eat. She lives in Skokie, Illinois with her family. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Ashmoli. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm just going to start in with the learning and uh, get going. I'm going to share my screen. Um, so hopefully this will all work. Um, going to hope for the hope for the best. Okay, fantastic. Okay. Let me start. Uh, hold on. Here we go. Here we go. All right. So we're coming up soon, not this week, but next week, to read in the various parshiot of the sections of the Torah that we read each week, a parsha called Kitavo. Um, Kitavo comes in the book of Devarim, the last book of the five books of Moses. And what's interesting is that a lot of what is in this parsha, and in fact, almost all the book of Devarim is kind of a redo. I call it the Groundhog Day of Torah, because a lot of the parshio repeat certain things that we've already seen before. But I think what I'm going to try to prove to you today is that even though it seems like it's the same thing we've seen before, because of where it lies and time-wise as it's coming, we're getting close to the Yamim Noraim, to the High Holidays, that there's a different message and why this is being, it's not for the sake of being re uh, repeated. And we always say that no word in the Torah, no letter in the Torah is extra, that we always learn something even more so. Um, um, okay, I'm, I'm okay, sorry. Uh, uh, that, that we can always learn something for it. So um, just to set up what, what we're looking at, in, the, in Sefer Devarim, it's basically Moshe's goodbye speech. He knows that he's not going to be entering the land with the Jewish people. And he has a long review of Jewish history, of Jewish law, and you can feel his anxiety, so to speak, when um, speaking to the people, because he knows he's not going to be with them. And one way to read it is that he's very upset that he's not supposed to, to go. There's one little reference in the Torah about that. The Midrashic material really has him going to bat for himself and is very upset that he wasn't going to go into the land of Israel. But when he's speaking to the Jewish people and he's preparing them to go into the land without him, he's not the most optimistic. I would say he's kind of the, um, the go it's the going off to college speech, which doesn't sound so great. It sounds like, well, it's not if you encounter these certain things and then things will happen to you. It's more like when you do these bad things and these things will happen to you. It would be like saying to your child, um, 
when you get to college and you fail out of all your classes, a when instead of an if. So you can feel a lot of the anxiety that um, Moshe is 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 half is half is having, and especially in, in Parsha Kitavo, it begins with some blessings, and then it ends with a tremendous number of curses, longest number of pesukim of curses that if the Jewish people if they don't follow the word of God, the word of Hashem, when they're in the land of Israel, horrendous things are going to happen to them. Um, we don't ever really see this language again until we look at the book of Echa, the book of Lamentations that we read on Tishabov, which describes horrible things that happen to the, to the Jewish people. And there's uh, that theme of reward and punishment, um, but I'm got not 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 quite. We're, we'll t- we'll take a look at what that what that means in, in a second. So we have this speech, and then we have these curses. But the interesting thing is, we've already seen these curses almost beforehand. We've seen them in the book of Vayigra. We've seen them in the book of Leviticus. And so the book of, in the Parsha of Bechukotai, which um, even though the book of the Torah is not necessarily chronological, but is supposed to be happening at Har Sinai, it's a continuation of revelation. There are also blessings that are given in that Parsha and then also uh, curses. So it seems to be a parallel. In Bechukotai, we have these blessings. And I want to take a look at what these blessings really talk about, and then look at those at the particular curses, and then we'll compare them to the to the to Kitavo. So in Vayikra, in Parsha Vayikra, in Perik Chaf Bav, in Pesukim 11 through 13, this is what it says. V'natati mishkani betochachem, v'lotik al-nashi etchem. I will establish my abode in your midst, and I will not spurn you. So here's the promise. I'm going to be God. I'm actually going to be with you in the abode. That could be the Mishkan, the traveling tabernacle. It could be in the Beit HaMikdash. But you see already that God places himself directly in the community of the Jewish people and directly in history. It seems to be God is the actor of history at this point in time. And the next Pasuk says, um, I will be ever present in your midst um, and I will be your God and you shall be my people. So you see already this kind of relationship that's happening, but the relationship seems to be a little bit one way. It seems that God is going to be the actor in history and the Jewish people are going to be with, he's going to be with the Jewish people, but God is, is the, is the director. And in case you had any doubts of how God is the one who's going to affect history, here's the last part where it says, I'm Lord, your God, who brought you out from the land of the Egyptians to, um, um, uh, to be their slaves, and uh, who broke the bars of your yoke and made you walk erect. Okay, so if this is not a statement of God saying to the Jewish people, I'm the actor, I'm the controller of history. And just in case you've forgotten, I'll be with you. I'm going to protect you. I won't spurn you, but I'm the God who's the one who's the actor in history. And it also talks about this idea of abode, of a place. So God is the main actor in our history. Now, in this uh, next part of, of the curses part, the curses relate are directly related to where God is situated among the Jewish people. 
So we had this discussion of blessings that we had in Bechukotai. And when, again, it emphasizes that God has a place, he's situated with the people in history. And so the curses are going to reflect the destruction of that place. This is how the, the two pieces are going to come together. So it says in a little later on in the parsha, Vishmanati et Bamotechem, Vigrati et Hamanechem, Venatati et Pigrechem, Alpigregulechem, Galanashiechem. I will destroy your cult places and cut down your incest stands, and I will heap your carcasses upon your lifeless fetishes. Okay, so that's very strong language. Um, when it's read in the synagogue, the Balkore of Alakuria is going to read it in an undertone and quickly. Uh, because we don't want to hear this out loud while we're sitting in, in Shul. We know it's there. It has to be read. But they're very, very, very strong, strong curses. And the curses here are related to uh, religious ritual and sacrifice that happens only in one place. And this is how it's, it's related. So again, the curses are directly related to where God is situated among the Jewish people. He's in that place, in the Mikdash, in the Mishkan. And God is the director of history. And there's no real dynamic necessarily going on here. God is the director of history. Now, the generation that's hearing this, from what we understand, is the generation that has come out of Egypt. So this will resonate with them because this is what their experience is. Also, they're, they, I, I think they're very much, that generation has uh, had so much trauma they left and had to see all the plagues. They saw their entire world destroyed. They didn't know what was going to be happening to them. And all of this is, as much as they could understand, the idea of a dynamic relationship with God maybe wasn't really in the cards for them at that point in time. So when God is saying to them, I'm going to be with you, I'm going to be the actor in history, it might also be a relief, a relief to them to know that I have God taking care of me. I've gone through all of this. Um, and that's a relationship I can have with a Kaddish Baruch Hu, with God right now. Now, um, in Kitavo, we have a slightly different, um, sorry, um, and now I, sorry, I have to go all the way back to, <laughs> to the beginning. Hold on. Uh, let's see. Okay, here we go. In Kitavo, we have a different, a different point of view. Um, in this part of the Torah, we already have a generation. This is not the generation that's come out from Egypt. We have a different group of folks who've stayed for the journey, who have bought into what this whole project is going to be like. And I would say that they're going to require a different relationship with God, whereas God is the only actor in history is really not going to work. And so if you notice in Kitavo, it has the same structure. In Kitavo, we have a series of blessings. And then a long series of curses, which we will take a look at. In Kitavo, we have this different idea of, of observance and blessings, observance of the covenant. Now, that's very different than God saying, I'm going to live with you and I'm going to take care of you. A covenant already implies a dynamic relationship. So let's just talk about a covenant for a second. Covenant is kind of like a contract, except you don't have equal parties here. We have God and then the Jewish people. Um, there's specific terms that you have in a contract. We have specific terms in a covenant. In our, in our covenant, we observe mitzvot, and that link that binds us to God forever. And then God takes care of us, and God is bound to us forever too. 
people seem to forget that dynamic. They get the the bottom up right, but they or they get the top down right that I that Hashem is requiring you to do these things. But it also allows us to have a claim on God. So this is a very different kind of relationship than what we saw in in Leviticus. And the, here we have a dynamic relationship where God is saying. I'm giving you the particulars. I've given you what you need to do, especially in the land. There are a lot of mitzvot, a lot of commandments that really could only be fulfilled in the land of Israel. And you're going to build a place for me there. doesn't happen right away. It takes a while for that to actually happen. The Mishkan and the, the Aron go to a bunch of different places before they end up in a Beit HaMikdash, which only comes many, many years later with, with uh, King Solomon, with Shlomo. So, but the particulars of, of the covenant, those things stay. So God, if you notice here, I want to look at the specific blessings. Um, Your God commands you this day to observe these laws and rules, observe them faithfully with all your heart and soul. And notice what it's saying here. Also that on this day, you have affirmed this day that Hashem is your God in whose ways you will walk, whose laws and commandments and rules you will obey and observe with and whom you will obey. This is such different language than what we saw beforehand. If you notice what we saw in the Kotai, there was no mention of the Jewish people or what they were supposed to do or any element of relationship. It's just like, okay, God will be with you and I'll have a place with you and I'll take care of you and I won't spurn you. Okay, what are we supposed to do? Here, there's already a dynamic. And notice also in this pasuk here in 18. Now here, um, Hashem has affirmed this day that you, as promised, are God's treasured people. So we still have that element of exclusivity or special uh, protection. But it's, it's not because God is hanging out with us. <laughs> It's because we have a relationship and we have responsibilities to one another. In the same way that God has a claim on us to observe mitzvot, we have a claim on God too. This is how, um, especially now we're thinking about tefillah, and we're going to talk about tshuvah in a second. This is how, how it works. This is how the claim works. It's not enough to say, oh, I'm going to come and take care of you. It has to be a little bit more than that. If we think about also adult relationships, adult relationship is not just someone coming to, to be with you and protect you. There has to be some give and take. There has to be something that both parties are doing for it to be really long lasting and adult. So God is making the Jewish people um, uh, special and uh, above others. So this is this is also, you'll notice in this last one, this last pasuk, uh, and that God will set you in fame and renown and glory high above all the nations that God has made, and that you should be, as promised, a holy people to your God. Now, this kind of sounds like what we've seen beforehand, that God is going to raise us up, but notice something a little bit different. God is going to do that, going to be some sort of actor in history, but in order for us to be a holy people, it's not automatic. It's not an automatic Thing that's happening. We have to do something. We have to do something. We have the potential. God sets us apart. But without mitzvot, without those particulars of that covenant, that status is not going to remain. That status means there's a responsibility 
you have that, but God is not the only actor here in history. We are the actors in history. We have a way to reclaim our destiny. If you also notice here, we don't have God saying, and by the way, and this, you know, every other place in the Torah, God reminds us over and over again that he took us out from Egypt. That's not happening here. That thing is, is not happening yet. And we'll see it in the curses, but it's not happening yet. Here, it's the promise of you will have uh, a chance to be in charge of your destiny. And we will work together, together. So we can already figure out where the curses are going to go. It, just to review, in Bechukotai, we had God saying, I'm going to live with you in a place. So the curses in that part of the Torah are going to talk about, well, um, I'm going, the curses are going to be, well, I'm going to destroy those places. Here, though, it's the relationship that they get to be part of their own destiny. They're not the generation that came out from Egypt, which really had very little control of, over their lives, if you think about it. Um, they were asked to go, they came, and all these miraculous and supernatural things happened for them. But this is a different group group of, of folks. And God is now telling them, I needed to be the main actor in history beforehand, but now we're going to a different place. And you're going to have a different leader. And things are going to change differently, and you're going to need to take responsibility. And I'm giving you in this Torah, not a ways to think about, well, if I don't follow the mitzvot, I'm going to be punished. I want to think about it in a different way. You as adults, as actualized adults who can think, I'm giving you, God is giving you the best blueprint of how to live your life. The best blueprint to make your life holy, to make your life joyful, to make your life purposeful. So if you don't follow the blueprint or the instruction manual, then it's not so much that God is going to come down and strike you dead, but you're going to be a victim of your own behavior. I always uh, talk about this when people um, put together furniture. A lot of people do that. You might get something. When my husband and I were first married, now almost 30 years ago, we had ordered some furniture. We had to put it together. And thankfully, we did follow the directions, even though, you know, they were in Swedish. And, you know, who, who knows? I, I, I don't speak. I don't speak Swedish. And um, then we tried to put something else together and didn't follow follow the directions. And guess what? It didn't work. Shocking. Right? Shocking. Shocking. It didn't it didn't work. So. The reward and punishment here, I want to think about it, is not that, oh, if you don't do this, God will get angry and strike you down. It's a little bit more nuanced. The nuance is here, especially in this part of the Torah, the Jewish people are now establishing what I would say is adult relationship with Akash Baruch with the Almighty, and that we, um, we now are in relationship, a relationship dynamic, which is very different. Um, it's still maybe considered like parent-child, but I would say a parent and a child going off to college. You've given them the best teachings that you have, and not that they might not mess up, but they have the ability and those tools in order to live their best, best life, and with the protection of a parent. That's the kind of uh, mode that we see is happening now. So let's look at the next part. Now, okay, let me get to the next part. So the um, Make sure. Okay. Now, the curses in Kitavo then are not talking about this destruction of a Beit Hamikdash or a Mishkan. We're not talking about that. We're talking about when the Jewish people 
their punishment will be that they won't have control over their lives, that they won't be able to control their destiny, and everything that they do will fail by their own hand. God's not coming to do it. Notice um, you are you're going to be exiled. Um, uh, people are your, your name will be considered like a like a curse. Everything that you do is going to fail. Um, and, and notice it's talking about places where the people live. It's not where God lives. We talk about the field. We talk about the vineyards. We talk about the olives trees. Um, and some of the more, these are all very horrible curses. Um, I'm looking at 41. You're going to have sons and daughters and they won't remain with you. They're going to go into captivity. And all these things are going to happen. Uh, notice uh, 43, another uh, important verse here. The strangers in your midst shall rise above you higher and higher while you sink lower and lower. You were once Amsigula, a treasured people. You were high above everyone else. And you had the control. You had the blueprint to follow this. And then that's why things fall apart. Notice who the actor is. The actor is not God destroying. It's it's what the people are doing. The consequences of them not following this blueprint, which also is a blueprint of how to plant your fields, of how to harvest what you have. All those details are there in this incredible life manual that we have in, in the Torah. And here, um, the, um, sorry, um, they'll sink lower and lower and uh, again, notice the last part here. And all these curses are going to happen to you. Uh, and they will pursue you and overtake you because you were, and you'll be wiped out. Because you, you did not keep the commandments and laws that were joined upon you. So if you notice, who's the actor here? I've given you a way to lead, 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 uh, uh, lead your life. And it's not just blind uh, uh, devotion to God. It's practical steps of how to live your life. And you will not, your control over your life, you notice all of these seem like there's the, that lack of control. The control over your life, which is probably the greatest gift that we have, that we can choose to do this, that control will be gone. That control will be gone. And God, again, will come to be the only actor in history. God only being the actor in history in the beginning of time was uh, as, 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 as we became the Jewish people, which only happened after we left Egypt, we became a nation then. God needed to be the actor. But at this point in time, God needs to be the, our partner our partner together so that we can we, we can maintain that relationship. So here the curses are, it's not my place where I live. It's not talking about those things. It's talking about what's going to happen in your life because our relationship has fallen apart here. So let's just go to the next, go to the next, go to the next slide. Okay. Okay. And here's the coup de gras. The coup de gras is the last thing, which again, will tell you how uh, these curses are a little bit different. Uh, 
ואוניות בדרך אשר אמרתי לך לא תוסיף עוד לראותה והתמכרתם שם לאויביך לעבדים ולשפחות ואין קונה. השם will send you back to Egypt where you had no control over your life and your history and to a place where I told you that you should never go back and see again and then you'll be offered yourselves for sale to your enemies as male and female slaves. Slaves is the ultimate situation where you have no control over your life. Slavery is the worst and no one is even going to buy you. So you will have no master, you will have nothing. So the coup de grace in this curse here is I'm going to take you back where you had no control, where we had no relation. We really didn't have a relationship. You cried out to me and Hashem shows up, but we didn't have a relationship then. You weren't in a position to be in a relationship because you were slaves. You had no control over your life. You didn't even have the ability to even dream of a better life, which is maybe even the worst part. So if you notice here, God is saying, I'm going to send you back where you won't have control over your destiny. You won't have that power. And I'm going to have to, I'm going to be the one who's the actor in history. Our relationship is going to be really severed in that way. It's not only that God's going to be angry at us or things are, uh, our relationship is, we, we don't have that dynamic. Here, God is saying, yeah, I'm going to send you back where, you know, nothing, nothing was happening. All those dreams that you had are, were gone. So that's that's the heaviness of it. It, it, it doesn't sound great, but I, I think it's important to understand why it's so bad. You know, all the other destructive parts, I think we can understand. Your fields won't go, your children will die, all those kind of things. So what would be so bad, bad to be there and be slaves? We've done it already. No, that's a really bad kind of space to be in. And it really doesn't allow for any sort of dynamic relationship with God at all. Okay. Now, um, What's so interesting is that um, in the earlier part of Kitavo, um, there, um, there's a part that many of you might, it's going to look familiar to you. Um, it's the, just in, in the beginning of the Parsha, it talks about when you get into the land and you have your, your, first, your, first, your first fruits. And this is, you know, it always seems like, what, what does this have to do with the blessings and the curses in Kitavo? I want to just... Uh, Take, take a look at this. So what's happening here? People will bring their first fruits and they would bring them to the priest and everyone would say this uh, mantra. Um, and I'm, I'm gonna talk about, about it, how it relates to Pesach because this is part of our Pesach Agada, but I just wanna take a look at it. Look at what you say. You're in your land, you have reaped your first fruits, you're following this particular law, this particular mitzvah, and you're going to say this, um, uh, you're going to say this before Hashem, my Arabi Oved Avi, my father was a fugitive Aramean. He went down to Egypt with meager numbers and sojourned there, but then he became a very great and very populous nation. So look at what this is saying, saying, it's not just my history of being slavery, but I, I became a nation. And then what happened? Um, the Egyptians dealt harshly with us and oppressed us, they imposed heavy labor upon us. So this is our experience. And we cried to the God of our ancestors and he heard our plea and saw our plight and our misery and our oppression. And then he freed us from Egypt from a mighty hand by an outstretched arm and awesome power by the signs and portents. So up until this point, what we're reciting is part of our history. It's also explaining that we didn't have any control over our history. God was the main actor. But then look at the last part. 
But he brought us to this place, giving us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So in this particular statement, it's like a testimony statement, what we're, what the person is saying, what we're saying is, I recognize that God was the actor in history, that I was a slave. God took me out, not to be a slave again, but to bring me to a place where I can actualize everything that God has given to, given to me and actualize our relationship. Relationship was never going to work in, in Egypt. And it was not so easy in the desert. It, was, it wasn't so easy. We had a lot of ups and downs. And, and if we think about our history, but here in this last part, we say, ah, okay. We cried out to God and he remembered our covenant with us. And we're not only acknowledging God's power in our history, but also our part in the narrative of the history. It's a very different story. At the last part, it's saying, yeah, I'm here with the fruits that I've harvested in this land that I'm bringing here. It's a bigger, it's a dynamic, um, uh, uh, a dynamic uh, 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 situation. And it's not only God working in history, but we're doing our part as well. It's both those things that that are that are that are happening, and um, at this part of the Torah, when we're coming to the end of our wandering in the desert and we prepare to to live in our land, we not only need God's to see God's hand in history. We don't want to throw that out, but we need to see where we are, how we can work, and do and do our 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 part as well in shaping our destiny. Okay, in every time someone would come and say this prayer. They would insert themselves into history. <laughs> they would say, say they would assert themselves and acknowledge the dynamic relationship. Not just God took me out of slavery, but here I am being able to fulfill these mitzvot, which I have to do. So it's it's a very powerful, powerful, uh, uh, power, powerful uh, statement, and they're necessary for our bonds with Him. So it speaks not only of our history but our ownership of the story. Now. It's interesting why this makes us into the Passover Haggadah. This is just as an aside. It's one of those, those moments. And yes, obviously it talks about slavery and coming out from Egypt. So it's certainly on the theme of what we have for the Haggadah for Pesach. But there's something else you should know. I actually learned this from my dad and his teacher. Uh, I think uh, that everybody knew this testimony, especially I mean, people didn't know how to read. Everybody knew this. It was something that everybody knew. And so I think one of the reasons it's being included in the Haggadah is basically the theme of it itself, is that everyone can participate. Everyone was able to participate because everybody knew this and able to not only participate in the Haggadah, but also the entire ceremony and everything that that meant. So it makes sense that they put this in the Haggadah because this is uh, exactly uh, what shows the dynamic of the Jewish people not just ones being slaves, not just ones in the desert, but ones that are going to have a dynamic and adult relationship with God once they make it in, into the land. And that's what we're what we're talking about. It's not just that God you know, took us out from Egypt. That's the main thing, but took us out from Egypt for a purpose, a purpose not just to make us a nation, but a purpose to get us to land so that we could have that relationship. So that's why I think um, this is uh, uh, why it's in the uh, Passover Haggadah. So, what does this have to do now with our coming up on the high holidays? It, we're in the month of Elul right now. 
Uh, we have this uh, wonderful idea that Hashem is in the field, ready to talk to us. We're getting ready to do tshuva. And I, I think what the Torah offers us here is a way of understanding that when we're coming before a Kaddish Baruch Hu right now, we should understand that it's not just a top-down relationship. I think a lot of people come into the high holidays and the idea of repenting as um, just a one-sided event. A one-sided event where we just tell, uh, you know, and um, an event where we say, oh, I've done all this wrong. You know, please forgive me for all I've done wrong. I'd like to see it in a slightly different way. It's important to have that self-reflection and to improve yourself in relationship with God and everybody else in your life. That's extremely important. But it's also a time to just reboot the relationship. It's a time to relate, reboot the relationship with God. And it cannot just be that it's only God doing all the work. We have the opportunity to do, to do, to do the work. Um, we, have, um, we are willingly coming before Kodesh Baruch Hu, and we're willing to do this way to reconnect with him. And as, as adults, as adults in a way saying, yes, I might have gotten this wrong, and I want to have this discussion with you. I want to rebe rebe uh, reboot this relationship, but we have a claim upon each other. I, 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 I've, you, we have, a, we have a relationship. We have this covenant, which not only is incumbent upon me as a Jewish person, but it's incumbent upon God forever. And I think a lot of folks kind of forget about that part, that these are claims that we make on a Kaddish Baruch Hu in the sense that you might've gotten this wrong, but when you're praying for a good year, you're praying that, yeah, we have a relationship. So to have God kind of uh, help us shape our, shape our destiny. It's, it's, it's a more of a mutual kind of idea instead of saying, you know, I got this all wrong. Please God, don't kill me next year. That, that's not a really good way to um, enhance a relationship. It's not a good way to to move to uh, move things uh, along. And so um, another thing to to remember is that in the stage that the, the Jewish people are in Devarim at this last part of the of the of the, of the Torah, the five books of Moses, they're getting ready to go into the land of Israel. They're also at a point where not only are they more adults you know, in the way that they have their relationship with God, but they're not going to be um, as many overt miracles. They're not going to see the hand of God so um, uh, overtly in, in their history. Um, and they're kind of in the same position that, that we, we are. We don't have uh, 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 overt miracles that are happening, but we have this opportunity every year to take that power that God gives us, he gives us the tool book to, to shape our destiny. Um, and, it's not, and it's incumbent on the relationship, not from one actor alone, not just from God, not just from us, but both those things work, working together. So I, I always find that when we read this part of the Torah and it's very harsh to hear, um, in my tefillah group, I'm actually, I have the aliyah that's going to have all the curses. I'm preparing that now. It's really difficult language. It's language that doesn't show up anywhere else. And you have to, but you get to read it really fast and in an undertone. So that's the, that's the one good, one good thing about it. And it sounds so, so very hard on the, on, on the ear. And I think um, what we also are hearing is that 
Moshe doesn't get to come with us when we get to have this actualized relationship with the Kaddish Baruch Hu. And it's not so much that he doesn't see the land and, and the place, but he doesn't get to see the Jewish people in their next journey of not being slaves, of taking, um, take, taking care, care of us. So God gives us this opportunity to change our, our own history and our own destiny every year, every year. And, um, and even though we have this threat of divine punishment, I, I'm not negating the text or that idea, it's not inevitable. Uh, the words out of Moshe's mouth sound a little inevitable when these things happen to you, not if. But that's not how the Kaddish Baruch Hu works. He works that it's not inevitable. And if you remember, with we always, when we, we as part of our liturgy, we have tshuva, tefillah, and tzedakah, those three things of doing tshuva, of doing tefillah, of prayer, and doing tzedakah, which is extremely important, really mostly gimme lud chasadim, that's what we're talking about, uh, acts of loving kindness to other people, and try, trying to make things best and make things right with other people and, and with the world, we can change our destiny. Ma'avirin at ro'ah ha we can get rid of it. And that only happens if you have a dynamic relationship. In other words, if it was only top down, then our tefillot on, on the high holidays would be really kind of pointless. It would just be an exercise in beating ourselves up, which doesn't get you anywhere, doesn't improve you. If all you're concentrating is on everything that you've got wrong, and, it's, and instead of what you might've gotten right, it doesn't move you. It doesn't improve your relationships with yourself or anybody else, and certainly not with God. And so I think the message of this part of the Torah is, despite this very harsh language that we have, is that we have this opportunity to be our own dynamic actors within the, the framework of our tradition. And that's what God wants from us. It's not that we need to be told what to do every second. We need to be partners in, in embracing that. For as mitzvot is not so much, we always say it's an all, all mitzvot, this kind of burden of mitzvot. It's not a burden. It's something that we get to do as adults. You know, you always, um, little kids, you know, they want to have the freedom to, to um, you know, they always look at adults as having all this freedom because they have control over their lives. And then we become adults and we say, oh, really, we'd really like to be kids, kids again at some, some point in time. But it's really an opportunity as adults to have a meaningful, dynamic relationship with the Kaddish, with the Kaddish Baruch Hu. And that's the power that we have, which is really something that I think is, at least at the time, really um, uh, extraordinarily modern for, for religion. Um, God is not using us as his playthings. That's not, that's not how, how it works. It's God who struggled and decided to have a relationship with us. And that's the opportunity that, that we have. So that God even moves. We see in the course of our own history that where God is the only actor. And then when he realizes that the, the dynamic and, and how we have changed and we have grown, that the relationship has to change. And that's what, that's what he wants for us. So just to keep in mind, of how, even though this part of the Torah seems like it's saying the same thing over and over again, it's really not. It's telling us that our relationship with God has changed. And at this time of year, we get to reboot that. We get to shape that in a way. And that's what's really wanted from us. That's the point of mitzvot. Mitzvot are our blueprint that God gives us as the particulars of our covenant. 
to make our life the best way that it can be. And if we have failed, we always have a chance to make it better. Um, it's not it's not a zero sum game. I talk to a lot of folks who feel that they might be failing uh, as a rabbi in 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 their mitzvot observance, and I always say it's not a zero sum game. You you can keep trying. You can keep 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 working on that because that's that's what adults do. We don't give up at the first at the first slip. We we tr- especially if something that's extremely important to us. Those things that we care about. So. Here's our blueprint uh, for tshuva of what our Torah gives for us is that we have as evidence from even this parsha kitavo, which most people think about as oh, it's all about those curses. We have to see the curses in the light of how Hashem is talking to us, and that um, the curses are really meant to see that we have the opportunity to shape our destiny. God is giving us that gift, and the curses are is when we don't take that gift. We don't take that gift, that uh, that uh, opportunity to take control of our lives in partnership with God. And that's what the curses are about. And when we think about it in that way, I think it can really give us some really good guidance of how to uh, not shape our lives now, but certainly even approaching um, the big uh, uh, tshuva experience that we're all getting ready for in this month and leading up to Rosh Hashanah. Beautiful, beautiful. Nick or Jessica or Eddie, anyone want to weigh in with any thoughts or questions? Yeah, hi, Nick. I would. Um, thank you so much, Rabbi Novak. What an interesting... Um, uh, I'm just... A lot of thoughts went through my mind, and especially, I don't want to give you all of them, but the, the last, my father was a wandering Aramean, that we've always read that and you know i know we we think about putting ourselves back in the context of egypt and we're each of us exiting egypt um but i'm currently doing an ma in holocaust studies and i'm just reading this and it's like what if the i mean the torah is such a compact story right like what if there was a holocaust then we don't know how many people died in egypt how many people i mean what was the suffering in egypt it could have been something tantamount to what the holocaust the Shoah was you know and i'm just reading this and it's it's really difficult but reading it with that in my mind you know with that in my mind it's it's really difficult and i don't know if you could expand a bit because i feel like the curses are they more warnings than curses you know like it's not like oh you know mom tells you if you put your hand on the stove you're gonna get burnt it's not a curse it's just you know you're going to be smarter that's how I love, I'm looking at it from your vision. Um, that's exactly how I look at it. I think to look at it only in a strict reward and punishment, you miss the nuance a lot. Um, so I, I, as, as I look at it, you know, God has given us the best, the best instruction manual for life. And if you don't follow those rules, that's even basic of like setting up your just society. We have all these mitzvot of how to do that. And then things happen. Well, it's not God coming to curse you. It's you're an adult and you have to take responsibility for your actions. And that's, I would say that, you know, Judaism is the most um, adult of all faith traditions because it really requires you to take upon yourself and understand that. And even when you don't understand it, that there's, there's wisdom behind it and to make, to make your life better and that, and to make the world a better place, your relationship, and also to be able to be able to be in relationship with God. So I think that's, uh, that's exactly how I read it. I don't read it like, oh, you didn't do this. I'm now going to, you know, set your, your house on fire. 
No, there, there's a whole lot of other steps that happen there. And if we're going to be really adults in relationship with God, we have to take responsibility for, for that. But it's an opportunity. You know, either you can be in a relationship where God, someone tells you what to do all the time. That's not great. Or it can be a relationship out of fear. We want to have a relationship of love. And if you have love, then you have mutual responsibilities towards one another. And so that makes it less than a curse than I, I would say as a warning, you know, but the warning is, is a warning to you of how, and, and the responsibility comes upon you. Thank you so much. Amazing. Anyone else want to jump in? I'll, I'll jump in. Rabbi, thank you so much for that great class. Um, as, as a lot of us are ring, bringing in um, all these thoughts, you know, going into high holidays, how do we really start to process chuva with the sense of, of knowing, you know, taking into consideration our relationship with God? And, and like, are we forgiving ourselves first? Or are we asking, what's our relationship with forgiveness and Hashem? So I think you make a really good point. I, um, that if you cannot forgive yourself first, there's no way that you can be in relationship with Kaddish Baruch. Um, that, that doesn't mean that you don't um, pledge to make yourself better. But if you're in that space of, I'm just bad all the time, it's a very hard place to get out of. And when you're in that space, you can't have a relationship with anybody else, let alone God. And so I think it's important that we always, uh, you know, when we talk about uh, the Kol Nidri prayers and the Vidui, the, the uh, confessional we do on Yom Kippur, it has to do with mostly everything that we've done to somebody else. Um, but also to, I, I always like to approach this time also, a lot of people, do, um, you know, they look at it as the Yamim Noraim, the days of awe or the days of dread. And I want to think about it a little differently. I want to think of the days of awe, of like awesome in the way that we use it now. And awesome in that we have to improve ourselves, but we also need to make sure that we give ourselves credit for what we have done during the year. Um, I think, especially in the past couple of years, a lot of people, because of everything that's happening in our world, and certainly the pandemic did not make it any easier, have a lot of feelings of failure. And when you feel that, you cannot be in relationship with anybody. It doesn't mean that you can't improve, but it also means um, that you need to be gentle enough with yourself so that you can improve. If you, otherwise, you're just going to be stuck in that terrible, terrible spot. So I absolutely suggest that you forgive yourself, not in a way of saying like, oh, like it doesn't matter what I've done, but to be kind to yourself and to understand whatever situation that you're in. And then you can make real improvements. Otherwise, you, you can't. Uh, you, 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 I, I think you'll be stuck in a space that doesn't allow you for that relationship. And here's our opportunity, you know, and God's, God's rooting for you. I, I think a lot of people forget about that. God's God's rooting for you. Remember Yom Kippur, when we think about it, it's a very serious holiday, but we're happy at the end. We're happy because God, we believe God has forgiven us. You know, the, the shining face of the Kohen Gadol at the end. This is, this is what we think about. And so um, um, having that in mind is that you're not alone in doing this. Um, there are blueprints also, but God is rooting for you because the relationship, again, is not one way. It's both ways. Here's a time where God is close to us because God wants a relationship with us too, which everybody seems to forget uh, a lot. And it's, it's both ways. Amazing, amazing. 
Um, so rich and so meaningful. Thank you, Rabbi Novak, for joining us. Thank you all who participated. Hope you'll continue to follow Rabbi Maria Novak's blogs and, and beautiful Torah. And we look forward to continuing to learn with you at the intersection of Torah and justice. Have a great day and Shana Tovah.